Luke, the sixth chapter. And if you have one of those New Testaments, you need to turn to page 54. Okay? And we're going to get started in just a little bit. If you've read your message map, the handout you were given, today is the fourth Sunday of the month, and we're going to receive a touch someone's life gift offering. Okay? Well, we're going to happen in just a little bit. The lead team are going to pass popcorn bags, one on each side. And uh, you put in whatever you want to put in. Listen, I'm not looking for $500. I'm just looking 10, 20, 30. We're a church, we give more than that, but we're not to worry about whether we get more than the last time. And what we're going to do with this is, because we don't normally pass any kind of offering plate, our offering is just taken in the box in the back, is that uh, I'm going to call two of you out, okay? And uh, we're going to, or one of you, whatever it is, and call somebody out. And I'm going to give you that money, and then this week you're to give that money away. And it's just a gift from connection to touch someone's life. You can read two stories in your your worship handout. Last month we had enough money that we just broke it into two bags. And you can read what happened to those people, okay? So if the lead team would come now and just take that offering while we're we're going on, okay? And uh, appreciate that, okay? Let me remind parents, thank you for coming with your children. I know it's going to be a little task for you. We'll hurry through this so you won't be here too long. But uh, don't worry if your kid's saying a lot of amens. I, I appreciate that, okay? And, uh, and if they pass a little gas or they, you know, do some of that stuff from the other end and you need to get up, you just go out the doors, the restrooms all the way over to that side of the building, men and women. And I think they probably have changing tables or at least... They'll have the counters where the sinks are. They're long and everything, and you can use those. Okay? But we are in Luke 6. If you look at verse 17, that's where we're going to start. Okay? I hope you enjoyed that video. If you noticed on that video, one guy just keeps throwing stones at the other guy. The other guy doesn't throw them back. And then he even hits the other guy. And the other guy starts building a bridge. And listen, it's what happens with human nature. The person throws stones, he starts throwing more of them, trying to keep him back. The guy builds a bridge until finally he steps back and all the stones are done. And if you watched, he took the stones and he built a bridge. And then there was the end. And he had that stone, but got rid of it. But what happens? And that is the picture of the human experience when it comes to someone throwing stones at our lives, and we all know what that's like, whether they do it in jest or do it seriously, it hurts. And we have to decide what we're going to do. Well, folks, we've been looking in Luke, and we've been studying about Jesus. This series I've called Luke's Gospel, Checking Out Jesus. He's introduced us to Jesus We've seen the conflict between Jesus and religious people. People have decided this is the way you do something. And Jesus told those folks, He said, he, he said listen, old wineskins are good for old wine. New wineskins are needed for new wine. And remember we talked about that. And they're just not used to what Jesus is doing in introducing people to God because it doesn't fit within their traditions, their rules, and their regulations. Now, we've met that, and we saw last week Jesus called those 12 immediate followers of His. We call them the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples, those who are closest to Him. Okay? And Jesus is going to begin, when He touches people's lives, to start teaching us things about changing our character. And this week it deals in relationship to other people. 
Okay? Look there at the 17th verse. It says, when they came down to the mountain. Should be on the screen just a minute. I'll wait. Okay. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You have a NIV, a New International Version, King James, are a little bit different. I just read this. It's a little bit easier to follow if, you, if you're not used to the Bible. Okay? It says, when they came down. That's Jesus and these twelve he called from the mountain. The, disi- the disciples stood with Jesus. Now, I, I like that. I like that statement. They stood with Jesus. I wonder, who do you stand with? We give that testimony daily. We give that example in our families. You're going to decide to stand with what your parents taught you, which may be abusive, or you're going to stand with Jesus. Which, listen, Jesus brings out love, peace, joy, kindness, goodness, gentleness. They stood with Jesus. Now, I know they're just talking about a location. But I like that. They stood with Jesus. It's hard sometimes for you and I to decide who we're going to stand with because we are so impacted from our past and our rationale that sometimes we are destroying our relationships with our mates and with family members and with other people. Whether we do it flippantly, you know, just lighthearted, or we do it very seriously. And then we wonder why we have difficulty. Well, it goes on in verse 17. They stood with Jesus on a large level area, surrounded by many of His followers and by the crowds. And now, now let me stop. It says many of His followers. Jesus has more than just the twelve disciples at this time. If we compare this with the other Gospels, we'd see He's got more than just twelve. He's got the twelve immediate that He called. They are special. We'll see that as we go through this. But He's got more. So by many of His followers and by the crowds. And there were people from all over, listen where it says, from all over Judea, okay, that's down south from Jerusalem. Jesus is up north at this time. Okay, He's near the Mediterranean Sea. So they're from Jerusalem, Judea, Jerusalem, and from as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. Okay? Now let me just say, this crowd is a crowd of diverse people. They're not all alike. They all aren't Mount Vernon people. See, they all aren't Jefferson County people. See, they're, they're people from all over Israel. They're a diverse group of people. Okay? And Jesus is going to speak. Now, now let, me, let me say something here. Because there are people who go about who says, I'm not really into the church thing. Okay? And some of them know the Bible very well. I remember I met one many years ago in a hospital. And, and he came. I was there as pastor of the person being cared for. And he just going down the hospital hallways and he came. And he introduced himself to the family. And, and, and of course, they introduced me as their pastor. And... Uh, Whenever we were done, in a sense, with the family, I said, oh, what church do you attend? He said, oh, I'm not into that. I'm a street preacher. Okay? Now, people read what we're going to read about Jesus. And they say, see, Jesus is a street preacher. Jesus spoke out in the open. He didn't get caught up in the churches. He didn't get caught up in their synagogues. That was their churches. Now, you already have seen in the first five chapters that it was Jesus' regular habit. It was His usual activity that on the Sabbath, He's in church. I want you to understand that. Now, I'm not trying to prove the the validity of the body of Christ. The New Testament proves that. If you want to disprove that, you're facing God's Word. Where the Bible speaks, God speaks. But you'll meet people who tell you, you I'm not really into organized religion. Neither am I. I already told you, religion always moves to corrupting things. That's why everybody of Christ needs to be careful. 
that we don't get caught up in our traditions and our rules and our regulations. But Jesus is out here preaching. And so people who say they're street preachers would say, I'm like Jesus. He just spoke out amongst the people. Now I want you to understand something. This is a vast crowd of people. We know from other places in Scripture, sometimes it'd be as many 15,000, 20,000 people around Jesus. In Israel, the synagogues, I mean, this is, this is a historical fact. Most of them would hold only 20, 30, 50 people. You understand why he's speaking on a mountainside? You understand why sometimes he's speaking on the corner of a street corner? Because he can't speak to a great number of people in the church. Okay? Connection is growing. I pray constantly, God, show us our permanent property down the road. And you know what? I mean, we got 160 chairs out here and we almost filled it. We got people who stayed away because they said, I, I just don't want to bring my kids. We got regulars who are going on vacation. And whenever I look at permanent property, I see we can't just take anything. Somebody, people will tell me, How about that building? And I look and I say, Well, we can't park 100 cars there. Uh, we couldn't have kids rock away from adult worship. Okay? Where would we put our preschoolers? You see, when you, when you grow, you've got to think, how do you communicate with folks? Jesus communicates out in the open. He wasn't anti-church. He wasn't a street preacher, as folks might tell you. He just took advantage of the opportunity with the crowd He has, okay? And He spoke out in the open. Now look at verse 18. They had come to hear Him and to be healed of their diseases... And Jesus also cast out many evil spirits. Verse 19, everyone tried to touch Him because healing power went out from Him and He healed everyone. Okay? Now, now let me stop. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. We've already spent some time talking about demon possession, healing. We will in the future. For the sake of the day, I just want to get to some things I want to get done and then I'm going to get us out here as sure as I can because I know those babies are going to get heavy and they're going to get impatient. And pretty soon their amens are going to turn to, how come? Let's go. Something like that. Okay? But let me just say here, I imagine that most people that came to Jesus only saw Him as a person who would take care of their problem. Do you hear me? And I'm going to guess that you choose your church based upon your feeling, will it take care of my problem? And I'm going to tell you, every immature person who comes to Jesus always says, it's all about me. It's all about me. It's not about other people. It's all about me, what I want. Listen, we had some people come in. I just walked over there to the Halvers and said, hey, these seats taken, they're sitting on the end. You know, they do like Laura and I would do. They take the end seats like Matt and Mary does. They take the end seats. Now, now I don't mean to embarrass you, but we all do that. See, Laura's with And I just asked Jay and Linda, I said, hey, are those seats there taken? And there was three seats because there's three people coming in. And they said, no. And what they do? Whenever I went back, I thought I was going to have to introduce those people to move in. Linda and Jay, it wasn't all about them. They moved in. They lost their outside seats and gave their inside seats. See? Now, I'm going to tell you, these people come to Jesus because they just want healing. They want something done in their life. It's all about me. And you've got to understand, if you're still there and you've been in relationship with God, and then come into relationship with His Son, and then with His Word, and with His people, and it's still all about you, and it's been three years, five years, ten years, for some of you it's been 30 and 40 years, you're not progressing. Most of these people come to Jesus because they just, they got a problem, probably a healing, or their life's out of control, and they want Jesus to do something. Forget everybody else, it's all about me. 
Verse 20, then Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, now, now he's, he's going to talk to his disciples. He's going to talk to those who are close to him because they see all these people. And he's going to try to teach them something because in time, folks, he says, as God sent me, I send you. And they're going to have to teach people. Now, now let me stop and say something. What we're going to look at is the Sermon on the Mount. And there's no way to cover it today. I just don't. I'm not going to take that much time. So I'm going to try to get just into it today and finish it next week. But this Sermon on the Mount, I want you to understand, you can read it in Luke's Gospel in four to five minutes. I read it again this morning and timed it to see how long it would take me. And it just took me four minutes to read it. And I try to read it slow like most people would read. Now I want you to understand... These people are from all over Israel. They have walked for days. They have closed their business. They have gone to find Jesus. They have walked many miles. There's no way... I want you to understand, Jesus just talked to them for four or five minutes. Are you following with me? Luke's just given us a summary. Matter of fact, we read Matthew and it seems involved a little bit more when he talks about this. Because Luke wasn't there. Luke talks to someone. Luke hears their stories. And Luke writes down his summary. This would have been a much longer message. Jesus would have probably talked two, three hours. He probably would have talked in the morning if they got there in the morning. And He probably would have went into the afternoon. Or He would have done the afternoon all afternoon. Jesus would have took advantage. We know He does that. We know the Scripture talks about One time He told His followers, Hey, tell them to sit down. Let's feed these folks. Say. So I just want you to understand, this sermon is not this short. We're just getting a summary of it. Okay? Look at verse 20. God, Jesus says, God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Now, now let me stop. He's talking to the disciples, trying to get them to understand. Look at all these people. Now, the people who make up the crowd, we know from Israel, we know from what we know about Israel back there, they are basically simple people. They are people who are not going to be real wealthy. Okay? The religious leaders and the power people, the Scripture gives us indication, indication they only come to Jesus when they're curious about what He says. These are people, listen, if we study ancient history, folks who tell you you can't believe the Bible, they don't study any of the facts. We will be taught things in our high school, in our junior highs, in our elementary school, in our colleges that have less proven fact than what we can talk about concerning things in the Bible. These people would live maybe 30, and if they were fortunate, 40 years, and then they would die. These people didn't have time. Unless somebody left them a lot or they were born in privileged families, they didn't have time to build wealth as we think about wealth. These are simple people. Their lifestyles are simple. They have very little in the way of worldly things. Most of them worked in the, went to work in the morning just to get enough money to make it through that day. And then they'd go to work the next day to get enough to make it through that day. Okay? If, 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 and we, we can, if you study it, we could study excavations in that part of the world back at that dating. And you know, most of their homes would maybe be twice the size of this platform. And you say, oh, that's hard to believe that families could live there. My son went to Bangladesh and he described the home he visited of a man who was responsible for taking these wealthy Americans, they thought, around Bangladesh 
And he invited Daniel to his home. And the home he described to us was just about this size with two rooms, a wall down the middle. And that's what they lived in because they shared any kind of facility that we would call bathrooms and showers. And back then, they didn't have it. And Jesus is trying to say something to, to, to His disciples about the kind of people in the world you need to pay attention to. And we don't do that. We want to look for the people who seem to be privileged, who seem to have a lot. Look at your message map. Find that page for sermon blanks. Look at the first sermon blank. Jesus is saying this, hey, you guys, you are worth something to God. His kingdom is full of people like you. Simple, according to the world, unimportant people. That's what Jesus is saying right here as he begins to introduce them to some life-changing thoughts. But he starts by saying, I want you to realize these are the kinds of people that are filling God's kingdom. I mean, look around you. Just look around you. How many bank presidents? How many doctors? How many lawyers? They're not bad people. And there's Christian people who are bank presidents, doctors, and lawyers. How many many corporation heads do you see that are very involved in, in, in working in the church? How many clean restrooms? How many vacuum floors? How many takes up, sets up chairs? I'm not trying to put them down. I'm just telling you. The kingdom of God is full of simple people. And we always think we're shortchanged. And why God hasn't blessed us? Because they got it all, we want to say. And I want you to understand, Jesus starts out by trying to say, God's people are simple people. And why does He do that? Because this world says you haven't arrived Unless you can't buy the new thing, have the new item, and feel like you got enough money available that you don't have to worry about anything. And this world is not in that kind of position. And God isn't caught up with that kind of attitude. And that's how Jesus starts. And so you know what? He's talking to Mike Davis and he's talking to you. We're the simple people. Some of us may be simple, and maybe we've been responsible with our finances. He's going to talk about that in a little bit. And so we may have some things. We may have a nice home. Nothing wrong with driving a nice vehicle. But we remember that in relationship to God, we're not better than anybody else, and we're still simple. Now look at 21. He says, God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. God's blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil. Now let me stop. He's saying you feel a lot of need in your life. But he says God will bless you. Okay? He'll meet that need. But look how he ends what he said. He says, And curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man. You probably ought to underline, because you follow the Son of Man. I'm going to tell you, you follow Jesus, and this world is going to tell you you're missing out. This world's going to tell you you're not going to get the satisfaction of your desires. This world's going to tell you you're going to miss out because you see, this world conflicts with God. 
I called attention to Laura. I was reading a paper this week where in, in, in Pennsylvania, I think it was Lancaster, Pennsylvania, a restaurant owner just made a, a, a public publicity thing that if you go to church and you come to that restaurant on Sunday and bring a church bulletin, you'll get a 10% discount. And the, a person who says they're an atheist went to the public commission on relations or something and put a protest in that a restaurant should not be able to give discounts based on some kind of religious action. Now folks, I'm just going to tell you something. You follow God, okay? You follow His Son Jesus, you're going to face persecution. Somebody's going to tell you, you won't get the breaks. You won't get your hunger met. You won't get your needs met. And Jesus starts out. He says, listen, the King God is full of people who are just ordinary people. Simple people. And He says, now I want you to understand, there are people who feel right now, I'm hungry. I have needs. And He says, God's going to meet it. And He says, you're going to experience. You're going to experience the persecution because you follow the Son of Man. And remember, who is the Son of Man? I've showed you this before. Look on the screen. Daniel, the 7th chapter. People who study prophecy will study this. Daniel, 70 weeks. I don't want to spend time in that. A lot of people who study prophet, prophecy never will clean a restroom. A lot of people who study prophecy will never help other people. Somebody says, you're being judgmental. I'm just telling you. We're get, getting smart up here that we don't do it out here. This is part of prophecy. And Daniel says, As my vision continued that night, I saw something like the, a Son of Man coming from the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient One and was led into His presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that the people of every race and nation and language would obey Him. His rule is eternal in other words, He's God. He's been around forever. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. That sounds like the book of Revelation, folks, if you read the book of Revelation. Daniel says He's like the Son of Man. That term, Son of Man, Jesus uses more than any other term in the Gospels to identify Himself. And people will tell you, well, He did that just because He's identified with humanity, folks. He is saying, I am the one who fulfills the prophecy that comes out of Daniel's mouth written 500 years ago. I am eternal. I am God. Some people say, Jesus said He's never God. I am eternal. Only God is eternal. Jesus is making such a declaration. He's turning to those guys who are to be His close followers. And He says, I want you to understand, first of all, fellas, don't get caught up with the world's way. The people you're supposed to reach. The people of God's kingdom are ordinary people. And they are people who are hungry now, but God is going to meet them. And they will be persecuted when they follow Me. That's what He's saying. And I want you guys to understand, when you follow Me, Jesus... You're following God. Look at 22. When that happens, look what he says. You feel that persecution for following the Son of Man, following Jesus? Be happy. Yes, leap for joy. Why? Listen, folks. None of us want to be persecuted. God knows what's going on. That's what He's trying to imply to them. 
God knows what's going on. He says, For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets that same way. Now listen, folks, this is, this is an indictment upon the religion of the day. Because you see, it's going to be the religion of the day which say they are God's people that will persecute the followers of Jesus. Jesus Christ Himself and His followers. And they did it with the people God sent in the past to be His spokesmen to tell them what God wanted them to hear. You see, in the past, the powerful, the religious with authority didn't like hearing guys like Elijah and Isaiah. They didn't like hearing those guys because those guys spoke against the way the people were living and said, you must repent, you must turn back to God. And they persecuted those prophets. Jeremiah told God, take my life. If you study Jeremiah, he has all the characteristics of a person who is a manic depressive person in our day. And yet, God called Jeremiah when he was in the womb to be his prophet. But Jeremiah would talk to the people in Israel and in Jerusalem itself, the city of God. And they just put him down. And he says, God, why don't you just kill me? I'd rather die than keep talking to these people. And Jesus said, I want you to understand, I'm calling ordinary people. That's who's going to fill God's kingdom. And they're hungry. They have needs now. And they're going to be persecuted. But God knows what's going on. Realize what people will do to them today in persecuting them is what people did to God's prophets in the past. 24, he says, What sorrow awaits you who are rich. Now listen, rich means that life is about wealth. Look what he says, 24. For you who have your only happiness, for you have your only happiness now. 25. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now? In other words, life is all about comfort now. Rich is wealth, fat and prosperous is comfort. For a time of awful hunger awaits you. He says, What sorrow awaits you who laugh now? Good times. That's what it's all about. Good times. 25. For, you are la for your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. 26. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds? Now life is all about pleasing others. That's what he's talking about. The praise of the crowd. For their ancestors also praised false prophets. Now listen, folks, let's not misunderstand Jesus' words. He says we're going to know the people who do not like God because they're going to persecute people who follow the Son of Man, follow Jesus. And he says, I want you to understand, there's people out there at this time, that's the time Jesus is talking, and it's always been that time. People who put their trust in wealth, listen, their lives are going to crumble because wealth can't buy relationships. It cannot cement them. He says there's going to be people who just want comfort. And that's going to fall apart on them because you can have a comfortable home, comfortable car, comfortable clothes, and you can't stay married, and you can't keep peace with your kids. He says there's going to be people, it's going to be all about good times, man. Good times. There's folks who cannot be with God's people on Sunday morning because good times were to be had on Saturday night. I don't have any problem with having good times. Come to my house. I like to laugh a lot. Yeah, I like good times. 
But there's some people that's all they want. And good times will not get you what you need and what you really want. And he says there are people who are all about pleasing others. Codependency. And I'm telling you, America is full of codependent mamas and grandmothers. It's all about pleasing your kid. And then when your kids won't listen to you, it's all about doing the same thing with your grandchildren. And they'll grow up and they won't listen to you either. And you're codependent. And you won't even face that fact. The truth. Jesus says, there's people, it's all about pleasing other people. And listen, it's just not grandmothers and mothers. It's daddies and grandpas. People who only go to work to please everybody else. Don't misunderstand His words. Jesus is not opposed to handling finances, wealth, and being rich. Jesus is not opposed to taking care of your possessions so that you got comfort. Some people won't do maintenance on their air conditioner, so when all this hot air comes, it breaks down. Some people won't do maintenance on their vehicle, and so their vehicle breaks down. Jesus isn't opposed to taking care of your possessions that you can find comfort. Jesus isn't opposed to you having good times with people. He wants us to have good times. Jesus is not opposed to having a reputation of helping others. Don't, get the, don't misunderstand His words. What He is saying is this. Look at the second blank on your message map. Now look at that. Is your life all about giving... Young, now listen to this. Is your life all about giving your time and energy to gain money? I could have put and or comfort, and or good times, and or making others like you. I'm going to tell you, if it is, if that's what your life's all about, then I wrote, if it is, then your life will be filled with sorrow. I'm going to tell you, it'll keep just crashing in on you. It'll just keep crashing in on you. And you may have all the money you can have in the bank. And you may be able to go home, put your head down in the most comfortable thing anybody can put their head down in. And you may be able to go out and buy another good time. But your life is full of sorrows. That's what he's trying to tell them. Jesus isn't opposed to these things. He's saying if they consume you. 27, but to you who are willing. Matter of fact, you might circle that word willing. He says, but to you who are willing to listen. You see, some people aren't willing. Some of you are here, and I've said some things that's just been God knocking on your life's heart to get your attention, and you shut it off because you don't want to accept it and you want to argue with it. He says, but to you who are willing to listen, will you listen? See? Will you listen to what Jesus is saying? Listening is more than just hearing. Somebody say, well, I'm listening. No, listening is more than just hearing. Listening means I hear it and it has place in my life. I will seek to follow it. And whenever I make the mistake and stop doing it because I listen, I will get back to do it. Listening is doing. Matter of fact, jump down just for a minute in your Bible to to verse 46. Okay? We're in this sixth chapter. It's the last verses of the chapter. Verse 46. Jesus says, So why do you keep calling me Lord? See, there's people following calling Him Lord. Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Now, folks, listening is letting Jesus change your life. What He's going to say in this Sermon on the Mount, because He hadn't even got into any of the character changes, when He gets into that, He's not telling that, us that to control us. He's telling us that to, to change us. The Bible says, let God transform you by changing the way you think. So he says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? 
I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me. He says, now look, you might want to underline the rest of that sentence. Listens to my teaching and then follows it. Jesus says, I'm going to show you what it's like when someone comes to me. And not just comes. Well, I came Jesus as Lord. I remember when I was 13. I, I, I followed Jesus whenever I was 8 years old. I, I came to Jesus whenever I was 23. He doesn't say, just comes to me. He says, comes to me. That's why I say, underline it. He says, listens to my teachings and then follows it. Listening is doing what Jesus says, not what you feel like. That's my struggle. That's my struggle. I want to do what I feel like. I want to do what I saw my mom and dad do. I want to do what I've been influenced by others to do. Listening, hearing, following Jesus, doing what He says, will always compete and conflict with what I feel. What I feel. Now He goes on. He says, okay, 48. It is like a person, a person who listens and does, okay? It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the flood waters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. Now he's saying listening and doing what Jesus said is like pouring a well-fortified cement foundation for your life. That's what he's saying. That's what he's trying to tell us. Most of us will hear it today. And you know what? What happens is, hey man, Mike's making sense. Boy, that, 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 that Bible makes sense to me. And then you're going to get out. And you won't do it. You won't do, that's why I'm telling you circle, underline. Because if it's making sense, you need to read it again this afternoon and maybe tonight. And you need to read it again tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. And you need to put it into practice. Because it's the practice that lays the well-fortified foundation. He says in 49, the opposite. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey. Underline, hears and doesn't obey. Anyone who hears and doesn't obey. They hear, but they don't obey. He says, it's like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruin. You see, he says, you can tell the person who listens and does, and you can tell the person who listens and doesn't do, because their relationships are falling into a heap of ruins. So you just have to look at your life. What's it like with your mom? What's it like with your dad? What's it like with your brother? What's it like with your sister? Are you still criticizing them? And yet you've been listening to Jesus for years? What's it like with your mate? What's it like with your parents? What's it like with your children? What's it like with the people at work? You've been working with them for a few months or many years, and yet you're still conflicting? It's all a heap of ruin? If people could really see what it's like? Jesus says, you can just look at it. And you can know the person who does not hear me. They don't do what I say. Man, it's a heap of ruins they're facing. Now you don't have to hang out with that heap of ruins. It can change. That's the greatest thing about God. God is the God of second, third, fourth, fifth, and five thousandth time of opportunity. And so what Jesus is going to say, now look, He says, I'm starting with ordinary people. I want you, I want you disciples to look at them. 
They're the ordinary people. Quit hoping for those people that are, are in charge of the Roman government. Quit hoping for those people that are the head priests. Quit hoping for those people that got all the money. This is what God's kingdom is going to be from. Just ordinary, simple people. People who have a need right now. God's going to meet their need. He sees what's going on. He says, don't get caught up with the people who are all about wealth, all about comfort, all about good times, and all about wanting to please everybody. He says, follow me, the Son of Man. And he concluded all this by saying, so you can tell who those people are you ought to be paying attention to. It's the people who listen and do, not the people who listen and don't do. By their life, you know they don't do, because it's a heap of ruins. Folks, we don't have to stay in the heap of ruins. Now, I want us to look at four quick things, and then we're going to end this sermon. And it's the beginning of character adjustment He tells us about. If you hear Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do the character adjustment. If you hear Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do the character adjustment. If you look on your message map, it says Jesus gives us four examples of lifestyles that listen to Him. Okay? No, we're not ready for that one. It gives us four examples of lifestyles. Listen to him. Now look at verse 27. Look at that. He says, I say, love your enemies. That's the first thing Jesus starts with. Man, come on, Jesus, be a little bit easy. This apparently is your first public sermon. And what do you start out with? Love your enemies. Who are your enemies? I'm not talking about, Jesus isn't talking about world governments. He's not talking about military confrontation. Are you hearing me? Jesus says, love your enemies. Who is your enemy? Who is it that makes you so angry? Who is it that makes you so mad? Who is it that makes you so grievous? You just want to teach them a lesson. Man, you just want to let them have it. Who is it that causes you to have sleepless nights? You could be married to your enemy. You could be having, you gave birth or you helped rear your enemy. Who is it that have harmed you in some way? Who is it that has caused you a great conflict? Listen to me. Could it be your ex-mate? Could it be that person that touched you inappropriately? Could it be the person that abandoned you? Why didn't my mom defend me? Why did my dad leave me? Even though he might have stayed in the home, he had nothing to do with you. And I could go on. Listen, I'm dead serious. Jesus says, love your enemy. Look at the next blank on the message map. This is what Jesus says. People who listen to Him will love their enemy. That's what Jesus says. You keep boldly saying, I'll never give my dad any respect. Just say, just say, I want my house to fall apart in this world. I want my life to be a heap of ruins in this world. Keep saying, I'll never love that person for what they did to me. And just, just keep taking the old pickaxe and hitting your legs and making yourself fall into a heap of ruins. Keep attacking your enemies. And keep living in a heap of ruins. And you know I'm telling you the truth. So Jesus says, love your enemies. When you love someone, they can cheat on you. And you will still seek to love them. 
When you love someone, they can disappoint you and you will still seek to demonstrate love toward them. When you love someone, they can hurt you and you will still seek to love them in return. And they'll never understand that. But God will. Because you see, it's simply because you follow Jesus. And you can give me all the rationale you want to give me. And you can say, Pastor Mike, you don't understand. But I'm going to tell you who does understand. And it's the one who is eternal. It's the Son of Man. It's Jesus. It's God Himself. And He says, now let's get into this. You ordinary people. You people that aren't messed up. Trying to chase all that other stuff. And if you are, stop chasing it. He says, I'm going to tell you the first thing. Let's have character adjustment. Love your enemy. Now look at number 2. Verse 27. Jesus says, Do good to those who hate you. Who is it that hates you? Who is it that hates your guts? Who is it? They walk the other way. When you come around, when you're headed in their direction, they walk the other way. Who is it? that really, really, really hates you. Jesus says, do good to those people. Hear me. Hear me. When you feel like hating someone because they cheated you, they cheated on you, Jesus says, do good to them. Oh man, that flies in the face. All the human beings live by when you feel like you want to hate somebody because they disappointed you, they cheated you out of your money, out of your promotion, that just so disappointed you, he didn't show up for your game, she didn't defend you, you just want to hate her, Jesus says, I'm going to tell you what, when you feel like it, do good to them. That's what he's telling us, folks. You want to move yourself from the heap of rubble that's just been a part of your ancestry? You've seen it in your dad, your mom and grandpa and grandma, or you see it in uncles and aunts and brothers and sisters? You don't have to stay in it. Get away from that hate. And how do you do it? He says, do good to those people who hate you. Look in the message map, the next blank. Blank. People who listen to Him... Jesus will do good to those who hate them. Folks, you can know people that it's all about wealth. Just just get around them. You can know people who it's all about good times. Just get around them. You can know people who follow Jesus. Because you see, they're loving people that you and I would say, how can they love those people? Those are their enemies. How can they do good to those people? Those people hate them. He goes on to a third thing. Look at verse 29. Jesus says, Bless those who curse you. Oh my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Bless those who curse you. I'm going to tell you in your Bible, somewhere, you write this word so that you'll know what curse means. We think curse means they're going to speak profanity. That could be a curse toward you. But in the Greek, that word curse, you write this in your Bible, it means they doom you. That's their curse. I hope you never have a happy marriage. I hope your children never pay attention to you. 
I hope you never find a good job. I hope you always have to beg for food. That's the dooming. Jesus is saying, when you meet people who want to tear you down, when you meet people who want to get even, when you meet people that want to make sure you don't get ahead. See, they're cursing you. He says, you bless them. Oh my goodness! Some of you sons and daughters that are still living at home, when somebody says, do you like your your sister or your brother? You very quickly say, no! And if there's one apple on the tree and you both can reach it, guess what? You're going to run as fast as you can to get it first and take the first bite so your brother or sister don't want it. You want to doom them. And you ought to run as fast as you can to that tree and grab that apple. And you ought to look at your brother and sister and smile and shine it up. Spit on it. They won't want it then. Spit on it. Shine it up. And then you say, this is for you. You see, Jesus talking about changing. And you know what? He's not waiting. He's telling His disciples, this is what has to happen. Bless those who curse you. Look at the next blank on your message map. What Jesus is saying is people who listen to Him will seek blessing for those who want to doom them. I'm going to tell you when you tell me how bad somebody is in your life and you're not going to help them, you are telling me you want your life to be in a heap of ruins. I know it. It's evident. Some of you are going to quit talking to me until you forget this passage. We are to bless those who seem to want to doom us. It's amazing what God will be able to do with people who are like that. And then He gives us a fourth thing. Look at verse 28. It goes on into that. He says, Jesus says, pray for those who hurt you. Now, I don't think I have to explain much about this. People who hurt you. I mean, they have really, really, really hurt you. They don't help you. They have hurt you. Maybe it's your ex-mate. Folks, if you've been around Connection, I have talked about ex-mates again and again. Why do I do that? Because in America today, we're told 50% of the marriages are ending in divorce. So there's a lot of ex-mates. And you people who don't have ex-mates, you don't even want to hear about it. But we've got more people who have ex-mates. And you know what he's saying? They hurt you. That's right. That's why they're your ex. Or you hurt them. That's why you're their ex. He's saying you ought to be praying for those people. See, I really don't think I need to explain this. This means the pain goes deep inside you. You've been hurt. That person touched you inappropriately. That person abandoned you. And we know in America that has happened in the last two generations in a great way. It's just been a wave that has flooded over our society. And people are living with that hurt. And Jesus says, you know what you do with people who hurt you like that? You pray for them. Look at the last blank in your message map. He's saying people who listen to Him will ask God to help those who have hurt them. I want you to understand something. 
This all started with it saying the people were coming to be healed. They wanted to get a healing from Jesus. Jesus did not come. I want you to understand. Jesus did not come into this world to heal damaged bodies. He did. And if we read the Scripture, because that indicates He is the one from God. But Jesus didn't come into this world to heal damaged bodies. Jesus came into this world, now listen to me, to heal damaged emotions. And you and I have those damaged emotions. Jesus didn't come to heal damaged bodies. He came to heal damaged emotions. And some of us won't even get honest about that. And we're hurting. And we know the heap of rubble our life's in. You don't have to stay there. Jesus didn't come to teach godly rules and regulations and form traditions. Jesus came to change people. Listen to me. To change people by changing the way they think. You know whether you're living in a heap of rubble in this situation or that situation. Apply one of these four things that He's just taught us. He's just begun. And over a period of time, the heap of rubble may not stay rubble. Jesus didn't come to give us a bunch of rules like this. He came to change the way I and you think. Look at the last blank on your message map. Jesus is telling us that our identity with His words, look at our identity with His words will establish the kind of lifestyle Mike Davis lives. I couldn't stay in my seat and see people come in and stand back there looking for seats. Because Jesus has changed my lifestyle. I never did that throughout my children's years and my teen years. Whenever I was started going to a church to know, I just stayed in my seat. And some of you are going to say, yeah, that's because you're the pastor. Folks, I told my kids a long time ago, if I do what I do simply because I'm the pastor, it's the wrong motivation for what I do what I do. It's to get something. I do what I do because my identity with the words of Jesus has established the kind of lifestyle I will live. That's what He's telling His disciples here at the very beginning. And that's what He's telling you and I. Jesus is not talking about us having an affection. You know, I love Jesus so much that, and I love these people that I'm going to start loving them and doing good to them and praying for them. If you, if you wait till your affection tells you to start loving enemies, start doing good to those who, who, have, who have harmed you, hurt you, and to pray for those who hurt you, and, and bless those who curse you, if you wait till your Affections get caught up that you're going to do that, you'll never do it. It's a choice you make, a choice of the will, because you, you identify with Jesus Christ as your Lord, that now His words become established in your life and you live what He says, not because you feel like it, but because you just simply follow Him. And somebody will say to you, you know what? You're a slave to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, when you follow His words against what you feel and what others tell you, 
You are exactly a slave to Jesus Christ. And I want you to know something. If you're not a slave to Jesus Christ, then you are a slave to something else. You are a slave. Listen, you are a slave to the kind of philosophy that says, I cannot stay married. You are a slave to the kind of philosophy that says, I can rebel against my parents. You are a slave to the kind of philosophy that says, I can watch pornography. You are a slave to the kind of philosophy that says, I can shoot myself up with any kind of substance I want. You are a slave to the philosophy that says, I do not have to plan for the future. I can spend everything I got today. You are a slave to the philosophy that says, I can do what I want. I know what you say is what I should do, but I am a slave to my words. You choose to establish your identity by identifying with the words of Jesus. And it establishes what you do. Not because you feel like it, but because He is Lord, Lord. He's Lord. No matter what your feelings tell you, if you identify with Jesus as Lord, then you will seek to live the kind of lifestyle He talks about. And I, I grant you, it's difficult at first. You see, I like doing all that other stuff with no control. I like be the person feeding my emotions and feelings. And it's difficult at first. And it will feel strange. And it will feel uncertain, especially when they keep dumping their attacks at you. They keep throwing the stones. But Jesus said, God will bless. And what feels strange, but comes out of following of Jesus, will help you move your life out of the heap of rubble in whatever area that, that rubble is built all up around you. It's difficult. He's telling these people this. I wish I had the time to tell you about those two locations he talked about. Because he's talking to people who are full of pride and doing it their way. And yet he says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who hurt you. And pray for those who hurt you. It's your choice. Listen, I'm not going to entertain any questions just for the sake of time. If we have any, I'll answer that through email or through texting this week, okay? We got that offering? Okay, thank you. Okay, uh, let's see, who who was it? Uh, oh, let me see, let me see, let me see. I've got to find my person again. There, there she is. Alex Frisbee, would you come? Would you mind doing this? Now, if I ever call your name, you don't want to do this. Just sit there and say, no, I don't want to take that money. Okay? Okay? I like Alex Frisbee. That's some instructions. You just take it this week. And Dennis Richardson, you were the guy I looked at this morning. Would you Would you do this? Okay. This is. I always just give some instructions that I've, I've written down that's come from the, the first two people that shared and things they felt. Tell you what, just take that and bless. All they're going to do with that money is they're going to take it, approach somebody, say, hey, just want to give this to you. Our church cares about you. Not even going to push connection. Okay? Okay? 
Let's bow together and then we're done. Thank you for being here. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for people who gave that money. Three hundred and almost forty dollars, God. Thank you for people who gave that money. And Father, help Dennis and Alex that that money will just touch somebody's life at the right time. And Father, thank you for this time, this building, for, for Holiday Inn letting us use it. Bless this management. Help them to have wisdom in how they do what they do. And thank you for, for the words we read. Thank you for, for coming to this world and, and, and just confronting us in the way we are to live. And God, help us to encourage one another in choosing to do the words that you have told us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.